0: like to begin by acknowledging the Whadjuk people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are meeting today, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present and emerging. Today's podcast is of a different yet exciting variety. Welcome to My Country continues to be an avenue for Mazanod's Aboriginal students to enlighten the wider community, exploring Aboriginal history and culture, and allowing our students to see themselves, their identities, and their culture in their school. The excitement of this podcast is seen across collaboration between Holy Cross College and Mazenod College, where Deputy Principal Ryan Shelton talks to me about Aboriginal education and best practice. Enjoy.
1: Well, welcome to today's episode of Talking About Pedagogy and Welcome to My Country. I've got here Beth Murphy. Beth, welcome.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks uh, for having me.
1: And I'm Ryan Shelton for those Welcome to My Country listeners. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a collaboration here. What are we calling it? Mazacross. <laughs> Mazacross <laughs> between Mazanod College and Holy Cross um, College. So, um, Beth Murphy is an absolute star of the education world. She's the head of learning diversity at Mazanod College and has a particular part of uh, her job is working with the academics of supporting their Aboriginal students at Mazenod College and a real passion for Aboriginal education. Um, and I'm really inspired by Beth and, and, and her work, and, and I've been on my own little journey around that myself. So, today we're going to unpack a little bit about what um, pedagogy looks like in working with our Aboriginal students, um, and Beth, what's got you so inspired in uh, Aboriginal education?
0: Um, My first degree is actually an archaeology degree uh, where we did quite a bit of work um, on the land with um, Aboriginal elders and just their knowledge and um, the way that they went about things was just transfixing for me, plus my history degree. So just, yeah. And then working with these boys is really, really amazing. And um, the way that they uh, go about being able to contextualise from being on country to being in the classroom, which is just worlds apart for some of our boys mm. who are from remote communities. Um, we have boys from Beagle Bay, which is probably close, well, it's over 3,000 Ks from where we situate, where we are in Lesmurdy. And then we've got boys that are even from closer to the Northern Territory in Gibbs River. And um, even one of our senior boys in year 12, he's from Looma originally. So even more... Mm-hmm. more remote, so it's it's very interesting and they're great kids. They're great boys.
1: What have you learned from working with these boys?
0: That you don't have to wear shoes in the classroom. Oh, how good? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, that to compartmentalise their world is, is really challenging and that the things that we take for granted as being simple in a day aren't necessarily that simple and that they need their mob, mm-hmm. Um my Year Twelve boys are really into teaching me the new their language yep. um, and how important it is for for them to be able to sit down and, and yarn and um, be able to talk about home and what it means to them and what they're missing and and use that community that they've got down in the boarding house, particularly with our with our um, boarding Aboriginal students.
1: How do the fellows go when they are moving away from, from their tribes and their families and, you know, coming into this land down here in Perth? How do they go moving away from home?
0: Um, the boarding community are really um, strong down there. We have an Aboriginal education officer, Brad Gardner, who's amazing. He did his early teaching career up in the Pilbara mm-hmm. and working with um, Indigenous Families and students, and in schools, and, and brings that wealth of knowledge down to to our school for us, um, and then we have um, all our boarding mothers and everybody else. But in terms of um, they have they do have challenges. Um, they get very homesick. Uh, we often have to send some of our boarders, our younger ones, home. A week early, when you know, and right now when it's week eight, term three, it's it's a real challenge to to keep them in the game, keep their learning going, and just um, get them to hang in there, both academically mm. and pastorally, um, before they wait for that that magic day where they can get the flight to go back. So it is challenging, and I don't think I realised how challenging until I was actually doing the podcast with the boys. And I said to them, sorry, if you were you were at home, what would what would you be doing? And they're like, oh, we'd be out hunting. And I was like, you'd be what? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. And we'd, and I'm like, what do you hunt? And he's like, oh, you know, um, goanna. Oh, but we're not allowed to hunt the goanna. And I'm like, are you eating the goanna? And he's like, yeah, miss. But we're not allowed because the cane toads are coming in and their population numbers are down. So just all this, mm. it was just fascinating. Or the new podcast that will be released once I actually record it properly, Um, We had a bit of a mishap uh, (laughs) last week um, was where Stevie was telling us about hunting turtles and then eating turtles and just all this knowledge that they have that Mm. that is and their world is just so so very different um, but so very fascinating.
1: Yeah, I watched um, the documentary last year, In My Blood It Runs, Mm. And, and that really challenged me, um, and it challenged me because I've always been looking at, well, how do we help our Aboriginal students to understand our Western education system? And I've been on a bit of a personal journey since watching that last year about well, why why do we need to make our these students fit our Western education system when, you know, like where you say there, for the, some of these students they want to be up, hunting, why do we need to take them out of that? How do we help them find that vibe if they are down here in this environment, you know, certainly to help prepare these these wonderful young men and women for if they want to, you know, move into our Western society. But if they don't, how do we support them to thrive in their own journey? Mm. Um, it's something that's really challenged me.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting concept because some of our families will tell you that they're sending their sons down to us so that they can have this great education so that they can take it back and help their community. So Mm -hmm. there's a real community vibe to why they're sending the boys here. And it's about improving, you know, improving education and improving um, post-secondary outcomes from their perspective as well, but actually on country.
1: Yeah. And then I suppose the challenge is how do we blend that? How do we get that mix of experiential learning, of connection to land, connection to culture, whilst also our Western way of education of literacy literacy and numeracy and finding that to embed into a way that blends together nicely for these students? Have you got any tips?
0: Um the best one that I have at the moment is to listen to the boys, mm. or to listen to the students that are sitting in front of you, because they will they can articulate what challenges they're having, and they can um, help you understand where they're at. Uh, the other day, I was like, "But I, I don't understand," and he goes, "Let me sit you down. Da- let's sit down, and you- I'll draw this for you, Miss." And I was like, "Oh yeah, let's do that," because then I might have an idea of how I can mm. help you. But the listening. Um, is is the best. My I have three year twelve boys that I work with, along with the rest of, a, of an amazing team up at Mazanod, and um, it's about supporting them with getting that waste certificate because that's what they value and that's what they want. So a lot of it is that listening because without that, I'm just sort of doing what I n- have been trained to do, I guess.
1: Yeah. And- What's great in listening is, is hearing the, the substance behind all of the stories and the fact what I've learned in, in conversations with some of my Aboriginal friends is um, that everything is connected mm. and certainly for me as a um, westernised person, um, for us we do a lot of pointless things. But what I've learnt from my Aboriginal friends is that you know the, everything has to be connected and mm. is connected, and um, that's important for me as a teacher. Yeah,
0: or it's not. As Stevie um, told me, he said to me, "Miss, I don't understand this half brother, step brother. I don't, I don't <laughs> get it." He goes, "You're either my brother, or you're not." Like that's the essence of their sense of community and their identity, which is so different to us. We like to put labels and make sure everyone knows where they fit. Whereas he so eloquently was like, yeah, either you are or you aren't. And it doesn't matter if it's step, half, quarter, it doesn't matter. Like if you're part of my mob, you're part of my mob. Mm-hmm. And, and that was quite powerful uh, for me because just to give you some context, the three, the, some of well, some of our Indigenous students are actually related. So I was in class at the beginning of the year and one of them was going, uncle, uncle. And I was like, what the heck's going like?" What is what's happening here and he goes Miss he's my uncle and they're all they are all related and so they sat down and they drew me their family tree so I could work out where all this went but that in turn then meant the way that they talked to each other and the way that they did things so the other day one of the boys Aaron left to go to ACC and he said to Stevie oh, you can take my books and I was like oh but your uncle, your, their uncle. And he goes, yeah, actually it should be the other guy taking the books, not me. And I (laughs) thought that was just so sweet. He still did it, but yeah, just all that connectedness and, and their sense of belonging. So with our younger Aboriginal boarding students as well, they sweep them up and they, they prop them up and they talk to them a lot about, I said to Stevie, what do you tell the year nine boys? And he said to me, I tell them, education is important. Do the best, stay out of trouble. So I thought that was, you know, and that was so powerful because those boys would take it from their elder, Stephen is their elder, um, much better than they'll take it from, from non-Indigenous blonde-haired lady. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Now, you've clearly built great relationships with the boys. How have you been able to do that? What advice would you give to teachers out there that maybe haven't had the connections that you've had or the journey that you've had and the even the background as a HASS teacher, mm-hmm. graduate teachers, teachers that are, are new in working with students that are Aboriginal, what um, advice would you give to them about building those report, that relationship?
0: I like to know as much about them as possible. So I like to know how many languages they speak and all the things that they excel in that perhaps we don't necessarily mm-hmm. see in education as being, being tick boxes, you know, like you're not doing well in English but you speak five Aboriginal languages and English Like, that's pretty amazing to me. Um, They often will get homesick. I've played many rounds of basketball in my Mm. dot periods, chucking balls up, letting them beat me, letting them beat me. Um, (laughs) Just, and just because for
1: anyone that's never met you before, Beth, you are probably the most competitive person I've ever met in my life.
0: Mm, slightly, slightly. <laughs> um, yes. So currently there is a debate between my husband and I as who's going to win the QCE and I, I really feel like it's going to be me. So, um, yeah, no, a little bit competitive but the boys really thrive. So I've kicked footies, played basketball and just got some, given them some currency or got some currency off them um, so that they felt comfortable enough to know that when they weren't in a place where learning could happen... That I was one of their people that they could come and go. I just I actually can't right now. Um, we are developing personalised learning plans as we speak, and we asked the boys to put together a mentor team or a transition team as well um, for our younger boys. It was really interesting. He chose one of the senior boys, yep. um, our Aboriginal teaching assistant, and then me. So I'm we're in the mix. So I think that. That is significant. Yeah, that that signifies. But they can choose their own team of people where they feel that they can go to if they are in that. We have a massive team, heads of year, Aboriginal officers, myself, um, another part of the learning diversity team that looks after them academically with owner and, and tracking and all those sorts of things. So we keep a really close eye on them and I think that, you know, makes the parents feel really comfortable having their boys uh, so far from home mm. as well.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the big phrases in, uh, I suppose, the learning diversity world at the moment that we're grappling with collectively is the idea of inclusivity. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have inclusion in the classroom and how do we define that? Mm -hmm. If you were to think about the word inclusivity and Aboriginal students, what's our best model of inclusivity when we're thinking about um, you know, westernised education with Aboriginal students to include them in a mainstream classroom in a way that's going to be very foreign for some of them. You mm-hmm. know, that will help them to thrive.
0: All the all the research and best practice will tell you to bring the resources to them in the classroom. So whether that's um, your Aboriginal teaching assistants, people like myself coming in and working inside. Where they're comfortable, like inside their their classrooms, in their mainstream classrooms, um, and it, I just it just comes back to listening to them mm. and working out what challenges they have. And I've got boys that will say, "Take me out, take me out, and work one on one with me because I need that's what I need today." And it's like, no worries, we can do that. Um, we track them really closely because we've talked to them about what they want to get out of their time here at Mazanon um, and, and spent time talking with parents about what they're, why they're down here and, and what they want for them as well. So um, one, of our, one of the podcasts that we recorded with one of our younger students, Lars, he's in year nine, he tells you, I want to go back home and I want to I be an Aboriginal teaching assistant and, mm-hmm. you know, and so he can articulate why being here is important for him. So that's, that's pretty cool as well.
1: Now, it's all well and good if you're on board because you're a great educator. What about for helping other teachers to understand how to support these boys? What what things do you put in place to support those teachers?
0: So up at Mazenod, we have um, both personalised learning plans, which are aspirational documents. So they're ones where the boys can go, I want to come here and I want to be a really great footballer or I want to come here and I want to do better in Um, We then also have personalised learning plans which are academic. These are fairly new for us, but these are where we can sit with the boys and go, okay, what are these goals that you want to achieve academically being here? Um, Sometimes then, well, it's all about learning progress uh, for them. So we have those as well. And then I guess we take a case management approach. So we have some graduate teachers working with some of our um, indigenous boys, and it's it's regular check ins, and it's discussing what the winds look like, and um, discussing about what the pro- what the approaches are for, you know, if there are concerns, and then using that team approach to to support them and the student as well.
1: Can I put you on the spot a little bit here? <laughs> what are some of the mistakes you've made?
0: Oh, I made a clanger in yeah. a meeting. Yep, um, I used what is just a slang term to me. Um, And as soon as it left my mouth, I was like, oh, my God. So I was sitting with some um, Aboriginal um, educators from a different sector and I said, well, I just don't know. We've lost him. He's gone walkabout. And at that point, as soon as the words left my mouth, I realised that walkabout is actually a traditional you know, traditional term and to do, uh, and she said, well, is he really on walkabout? And I said, oh, no, I just mean we, we, we don't know where he is right now. We can't locate him. And so I've made those sorts of fumbles. Um, we, you know, I teach English at the moment as well. We're doing um, some Aboriginal texts. Um, a lot of the teachers are a bit worried mm-hmm. about how, you know, it's about, the stolen generation, and we've got you know these students sitting in here who the stolen generation isn't that far removed in their family history, um, and they get quite nervous about teaching the boys. Um, I haven't made too many mistakes there, so that's that's something. Um, but helping them get through some of their mm. their mistakes as well. But no, my walkabout ones the, the the big clangor um, recently,
1: yeah, which is a great conversation about the importance of language. Mm. Because certainly the Noongar language is very different and and, uh, the slang that uh, our Aboriginal brothers and sisters would use is very different to what we might use. What are some of the key terms and phrases that um, you've learnt that people might be able to relate to? Like you alluded to one earlier with, you know, mob Mm. is a a good term. Mm.
0: Yeah, so I did quite a lot of... My house background and everything else, we we did a lot about kinship and things like that. But um, the boys have been teaching me, and I won't even repeat them because I feel like sometimes I butcher them. But teaching me the you know the terms that they use, you know, like well, when I when I refer to my mob, this is this is who I'm talking about. Or Stephen will often say to me, i oh, my auntie, my auntie," and there's just they keep go, there's there's yep. and he says, "Well, if they're related to me." and it's it's a sign of of respect so they they like to teach me teach me their their language they have taught me some um, aboriginal terms for family members but like i said i, I would be butchering them if i can, if if i repeated them so but they really want to share i think that's what we also don't realize maybe when they first came down in year 9 they were quite nervous but now they've played they're didgeridoos at, the assemb- at our full school assemblies. They've led NADOC art classes for our students. They talk at assembly. They'll do the podcast. So I thought I was going to have to drag them kicking and screaming down to the yep. other end of the school for the studio. But they actually want to share, mm-hmm. which was amazing because um, I thought they'd be a little bit more reserved, but they really do. They they And they're all so different. They have all these amazing um, skills that are so different to each other as well, so it's you know it's very exciting when they're when they're talking about home.
1: Mm. Well, let's talk about the podcast. Mm. The Welcome to My Country Podcast. I've, I've listened to a couple of episodes; fantastic. Certainly, want to like and subscribe on our <laughs> iTunes um, now. What got you into the podcast? Now, it's up for an award at the moment for those that – there are a number of people that listen to this podcast outside of Catholic education. So in Western Australia, we've got some awards each year that are given out to schools in the primary and secondary sector called Quality Catholic Education Awards, um, QCE in short. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're up at the moment as a nomination for an award. Tell us about the podcast. What's the story? What's the why? What does it look like?
0: Um, Like yourself, I do a lot of reading reading. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I seem to spend a lot of time on Twitter, uh, <laughs> downloading and and reading um, best practice and purposeful pedagogies and and all the the latest and greatest things. And I guess what stuck in my head lately was student voice and student agency. Um, we were throwing around NADOC ideas, and I was they came my the team came up with these amazing ideas. We had. Um, Indigenous films being shown during the weeks and we had um, the boys had made kangaroo stew and stuff down and was serving it to the boys down um, from the boarding house, which was really cool. And I am going to admit here that I made a flip-away comment that went like, oh, we should do a podcast. (laughs) And um, at that point they were kind of like, oh, well, do you think anyone will listen? I was like, we'll see. And went down to my class because I had the three senior boys and I went, oh, do you guys want to do a podcast? And they were jumping. Like they were like, yep, wow. I'll come tomorrow at lunchtime. So then I started scrambling for ideas because unlike yourself, I'm new to the podcast world and don't have this kind of setup that's for sure. And they were there. I didn't have to remind – he was waiting for me at the studio that lunchtime.
1: That's amazing.
0: So we recorded it and then I had to work out how to get it out to the population. Um, so I had some help from my friends down in the arts department and they, they um, teed me up with what we needed to do. And then the next day, the next student was there. And so it just took off a life of its own. And then when we pushed it out via Facebook, families just in yeah. our community, just, it just took off. So it was, very, it was very exciting and then they felt like superstars. Yeah. So they couldn't believe they were on Spotify.
1: What do you hope to achieve with the podcast?
0: The boys will tell you that being down here has its challenges, and I think if we can enlighten our wider community um, about what those challenges look like and and what what life is like
1: yeah.
0: for these students, then that make that breaks perhaps the cycle of racism and and things like that. And not to aim so big, but they do they will tell you stories about where they've endured those hardships. Yep. So if we can educate other people in our community, then I think that would be amazing for them.
1: Yeah. And uh, what have you learnt from the boys in those conversations? You talk about that student voice was your anchor into mm. this. Um, what have they taught you in context of the podcast?
0: Oh my gosh, that turtle meat is green. <laughs> like I nearly died the other day, and I, and the podcast unfortunately didn't get recorded. And I said to him, "Well, does it taste like chicken?" And he just looked at me and he was like, "No, it tastes like turtle meat." So. Um, just how different. So I think sometimes we we go, oh yeah, they live they live up north and they go to school and you know things are a bit different and they live in a different way. But the boys were like, oh no, we we we, we go out hunting. Like you can't do that down here. Like I, you know, we did a video and they were like, but I don't, you know, you don't know what people are going to think. Um, that they they want to be they have plans and they want to be amazing human beings and they want to go back to their communities and they, they want to share that and they talk about Mazanod with such pride mm. um, and such value. So I think we're doing, doing some things right there.
1: Fantastic. And so I suppose the challenge to our listeners is to really consider when we think about good pedagogical practice is, is about embracing diversity mm. And knowing our students are making real-world connections and there's nothing more authentic you can do as a teacher with real-world connections than when we took student agency, Mm. give the agency by empowering from their environment. Mm. Um, And it seems to me like you're doing a fantastic job with that.
0: Well, some of our staff really got on board, I'll be honest, some of the house teachers who uh, during NADOc, when they were doing some NADOc lessons, actually used the podcasts for their students to listen to and to and I thought that was so empowering because it wasn't there wasn't a removal from it yeah. it was it was in your world in your in your eyesight around you and so students couldn't escape from being able to be detached from that and and it was you know year 9s were doing it and there were year 9 students speaking so I thought it was it was really powerful that teachers also brought it into the classroom as well
1: yeah well Well done, Beth, because you are leading the way in the system, and and Catholic Education in West Australia has a commitment to moving not just from cultural awareness but to cultural competency. And um, you know, it's really obvious to me that you're you're a leader in that space at the moment. So, uh, fantastic um, what you're doing, and um, the podcast. Welcome to my country. Um, If you look at iTunes. Spotify. It's everywhere. I yeah.
0: didn't, I don't understand how, but it's taken a life. Of this <laughs>
1: <time>. <laughs> um, please, please connect. And for those welcome to my country listeners that are listening to this episode as well, you can catch me on the Talking About Pet, my Talking About Pedagogy podcast. If people want to reach out to you on Twitter, what's your uh, your handle? Oh,
0: I really don't want to say that. I made Twitter before I realized that You can't change your handle. So (laughs) my Twitter handle is Beth Murphy 1982. Uh. So just in case, yeah. So that's where (laughs) you'll find them. And a new uh, student one will go out on Friday when the recording equipment actually records
1: the podcast. So... Well done. And you can catch me at, at shelts Scheltz 12, Scheltz with the Z because it's cooler if it's a Z instead of an S. Same sort of thing when I set up my handle, I thought I was the only person in the world with that. So <laughs> um, congratulations. And, you know, I really challenge all of our listeners to really consider to what, what you said today, Beth, to listen mm. um, and good pedagogical practice listens to student voice. So well done on being a leader.
0: And thanks for having me. This was fun.
1: Ah, absolutely. Good luck with everything.
0: Thank you.